Hey, what's up guys? Before the interview, just wanted to throw in a quick little disclaimer. In the beginning, the interview is a little choppy with the audio. Uh, I don't know if maybe it was the connection on the phone line, but stick with it because after about, you know, a minute or two, it gets good and smooth sailing from there. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Justin here from the Survival of the Artist podcast, and we have a special guest from the great north of the United States for episode seven. We have Drew Bex from Canada. What's going on, Drew? Good, man. I'm excited to be doing this. You know what I mean? Um, always love a good interview, and I've heard a couple of interviews already, and, you know, I'm excited to be doing, to be doing one. Uh, you know, they always joke that Canadians are very polite, and <laughs> the fact that you've actually listened to a few of my interviews and then said <laughs> said that they, you know, they were good, um, that makes me feel happy like this is going to be a good start. <laughs> but um, for, for, those, for those who may not know Drew Becks, he is a Christian hip-hop artist. He was named a Rapzilla freshman this year. He just dropped an album called In God's Good Time, and we're going to talk about that a little later. But first, in his own words, or in your own words, who are you, what do you do, and what is your claim to fame? Wow, claim to fame. All right, so first of all, um, Christian, a believer, whatever you want to say, um, I'm a husband and a father to two, two kids, two, and two, two years old and two months. And, um, of course, I'm an artist, specifically a rapper. Some would say I'm a singer. And I, once you say I was a producer these days, I, I have no around me, so I don't, I don't, I don't have to back up too much, but I still, I still play in the hands of the fact that I, uh, that I get, like I always, and, um, yeah, I'm just a normal artist, man. Like, I'm, I like to think of myself as just a, uh, a curator of, of even like when I want to do my collaborator of talent, just uh, an overall artist. How long did it take you to get where you're at now? And, you know, for that question, where am I now? You know, it's sort of relative to everybody because maybe you're not necessarily where you want to be, maybe you are, but the Drewbecks of today when you woke up this morning as an artist, how did you get there? Um, Man, a lot of hard work. A lot of um, one thing I never I never uh, stopped doing is learning, man. Like I'm always like I never think that I've gotten to a point where I cannot I don't have to learn anymore. I'm always paying attention. I'm a student of the game. I'm a student of hip hop. I'm a student of music in general. So I I study. I don't I don't think that I'm I'm you know beyond anything. Um, mm-hmm. I've been grinding, man. Like I like I really really put in the work. I I, I I really don't take anything for granted. Um, prayer, of course, and just putting things in God's hands. And, um, you know, even, even the project that I just released was calling God's Good Time. That, that's a reflection of the fact that I've been grinding and grinding. But in the end, God's the one who opened the door when he was ready. Because if it was up to me, I would have been like, man, I would have been ready a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, earlier you asked me what my claim to fame. Um, so basically I'll answer it here. Even being a Rapzilla freshman, that, that's like one of the things that definitely was a um, something that, that that I can see as the fruit of my labor, but also just something that is, you know what I mean? Like God opened that yeah. door and allowed that to happen after all these years of me grinding 
and to finally be recognized in that way was definitely a blessing and something that kind of just encouraged me to keep going. Yeah, and I, and I know, um, you know, some people really embrace it and some people uh, don't. But um, more, yeah. more often than not, um, people embrace it because, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of getting that nod of approval from, you know, essentially the, the industry, the genre that you're in. Because yeah. it, it goes, exactly. be, yeah, it, it kind of goes beyond what, you know, the, the website Rapzilla is because, you know, Rapzilla is a community and it's artists and all these people have come through it. So when you're named a, a freshman, it's kind of like, wow, who is this guy? I'm automatically going to pay attention because he is one of these, you know, top 15 new artists. Exactly. And, and I, think, I think both of us know that most artists who are considered new artists these days, um, they got history behind them. Now. Right. Like, they're right. new to us, but they've been grinding. So that, that's definitely the case with me. Um, and I used to see it as kind of, well, I never really saw it this way, but I've had people come up to me and be like, man, don't you get frustrated because you've been grinding for so long and people are just now recognizing you? And I'm like, to me, that's a good thing because there's a lot of stuff that I did in the past that, like musically, that I'm just like, man, I'm so glad that that stuff wasn't wasn't heard, you know. <laughs> so uh, the fact that the fact that I'm just now starting to get the recognition when I'm at my my you know like I'm putting out the best material I ever put out, that's actually a blessing that they haven't heard my old stuff because I'm like okay they're hearing that my best and everything they're hearing, everything that's out there online and everything is is like my best. So I'm I'm okay with them hearing it for the first time now. Yeah, and I always I always think it's funny like as as artists um feel this way about their own music cuz then maybe in 10 years after you've released other good projects you're going to be like, "Oh man, I can't believe I released in God's good time." <laughs> can you can you did you hear what I'm doing now? Um and you know, my myself, I've I've been in bands and I've made music and my my parents recently moved and I had a lot of my old stuff there that I had to go pick out uh pick up and I found notebooks and cassette tapes for anyone listening who doesn't know what a, a cassette tape is you can look that up you could you could record music on it very easily uh back in the back in the day um you know and cassette tapes of old music from my bands and notebooks from stuff that I was like 15 16 years old and I'm like oh my god Thank, thank God, none of this music ever left uh, my parents' basement. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, people wouldn't take take me seriously as knowing anything about music. Every, everyone's got those skeletons of 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 music that they don't want people to hear. Um, yeah. But it, it's funny you you kind of addressed that you've actually been grinding for a while because my next question was. You know, you've been around for a while, but it seems like yeah. 2017 was the year that things really started to take off for you. So what yeah, what um, happened last year that all of a sudden everything just clicked and it was like, all right, I'm here. I stopped. That, that's the, like, I hate to be cliche, but that's really the time when I, when I, when I gave it all up to God and said, all right, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to force because one thing about me is I always wanted to be a creative artist mm-hmm. I always wanted to find my own sound and have something unique and be creative but I was always trying to, to, to force creativity and, and like 
you know, trying to trying to create something yeah. out of something. You know, so so twenty seventeen was when I finally said, Okay, you know what? God, I'm gonna give it up to you. And um Running Man was actually the song that did it because I had recorded eighty percent of the good album and Running Man was a was a late addition. And when I when I recorded Running Man and I put it out, first of all, even before I put it out, when I recorded it and I listened back to it, I'm like, yo, this is this is it. This is Drew Bex. This is the sound that I was that I was trying to to, to to create. But I kind of just stumbled onto it because Running Man it wasn't like when I heard that instrumental at first I actually rejected it. I was like, nah. Wow. And I revisited it. I revisited it and I was like, you know what? The flow started coming to me, the cadence started coming to me, and I was like, when I was done with it, I'm like, yeah, this is this is me. This is where I feel comfortable, and this is where I feel unique and everything. And then I actually went back and scrapped a good chunk of the good album, and um, three of those songs. So here's a fun fact: um, before the good album came out, I released a EP called Two Plus One, which actually wraps up exclusive. Okay. And um, the way that that came about was. There was a, a couple songs that were on the the good album that before it was called the good album that um, didn't fit the Running Man sound, and I knew that the good album was going to be the launch of my new sound that I was going to stick with. So I said, okay, let me put those songs, those two songs, anyways. Plus, there was another one, a remix to Running Man. Put those on another project and put that out. But starting with the good album, I'm going to come with this new sound. So I went back and I revived all my songs that I had. Nice. Um, except for those, except for those two that I put on that project, to sound like basically to go to, to to go with my new my new flow and my new style, and then from there I just it was natural. Like from there, every beat I heard after that, I was like, okay, I know how to approach it now. Like I just have my sound, I have my my vibe, and from there people started to notice because there was this sound that I came up or that I that I basically came into that it just fit and it was right, you know. So yeah. I did. That's what happened in 2017. So you actually took the good album and you made a better album. <laughs> you made it gooder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, yeah, man. That that was definitely the beginning of of, of what you hear now. Um, nice. Before I would hear, before I would hear an instrument, I'd be like, okay, um, how am I going to approach this? Am I going to go with a uh, West Coast flow, like I have a song floating out there that I love, but I cringe whenever I hear it. Called, called, um, uh, going up, going up, and that song actually did a lot for me. But I sound like E Forty on the song, <laughs> and <laughs> that was back in the days when I was like, okay, I would hear an instrumental and I'd be like, okay, how am I gonna approach this? Am I gonna sound like a West Coast dude? Am I gonna sound like an East Coast dude? Am I gonna sound like like what am I gonna sound like? Now I hear an instrumental and I'm like. I know exactly how to approach it because I know what Drew Bex sounds like. Yeah. Like I'm very com- I'm very comfortable in my own sound with my own voice. And it took longer than usual. Like I'm a late bloomer when it comes to that, but I, I finally stumbled on it and I feel like super confident now in creating music that is, that is like unique to me. Yeah. It, now, now I'm getting, a, like, I, I haven't heard the song you're talking about, but now I'm getting a little distracted yeah. in my head and imagining you rapping <laughs> as E-40, and I could hear it. Just look up, yeah, just look up Going Up, Drew Beck's Going Up. It's, it's on my last, it's on Imperfect Messenger, actually. All right, so everyone always says, uh, 
or you know people who don't really know christian hip-hop they're like oh what are you the the christian version of or this guy sounds like the christian version well if you want to hear what e40 would sound like <laughs> as, a, as a christian rapper yep. and then really mix go. things up and him totally not being from the west coast at all look up <laughs> look up that song um one one thing I, I I read about was that you are contractually finished with Role Model Records. Um, yes. So yes. that's interesting to the podcast because now you essentially are an indie artist, um, which is exactly. all about what we talk about here. So what does that mean for you as an artist now and, and for you having that label for your last couple of projects you know, what's going to be the biggest um, change for you? Well, first of all, I mean, the label, I mean, I could say so many things. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for the label, for all that they've done. Uh, Role Model Records, that is, out of Toronto. They've, um, it's through them that I released my, my last two projects. Uh, actually, more than my last two. Uh, my last two projects, I released it through them. Uh, as well as the last person who's also released through RMG Amplify, who I also have a great relationship with. And uh, I'm really grateful for all the label has done, but it was definitely time for me to move on and try this independent gym. Um, and what that's going to look like, I mean, we'll see. It, it's a new, this is a very, very recent development. So I'm just as curious as to what this is going to look like as far as what I have planned. I have a great management team and we've been throwing around some ideas. There have been some other offers on the table, that's all I'll say, okay. um, that we're exploring, that we're exploring. And, um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about doing the independent thing for a bit and uh, seeing how that goes. Um, yeah, working with my team. The one thing that's definitely going to change is, uh, you know, to be honest, the money, right? Like, yeah, being independent, being like being part of a label, one of the one of the great things is, you know, you have to get the financial support of a label in most cases, um, and of course with that comes a percentage of the, of the earnings also go to the label. Whereas when you're indie, you have to, um, unless you have some kind of special circumstance, you gotta you gotta pay for them. But um, the majority of the in, of, of the the, uh, the income will, will go to you as well, right? Right. So that's something that I think is going to be interesting because uh, I'm already working on music and I'm already <laughs> looking at the bank account saying, okay, how can we make this work, you know, as far as production and mixing and mastering and all of that. Essentially, I have a great team of producers and engineers that I work with that are kind of like my people. So, right, right. You know, you need that inner that inner circle of people that you yeah. can count on. Now, is are you are you full time music or you know do you have a, another job? Uh, no, I wish I was full time, and uh, you know that that's obviously one of the goals. But um, right now, I work at a group home with people with special needs. Been doing that for a few years, and um, yeah, that's my day job. And mm-hmm. uh, I did go to part time at one point um, in order to free myself up to do more music, but I found that. Um, I found that that time was just being filled with other things. Right. So it's more about time. I find it's more about time management than, than anything else. Like if you if you weren't managing your time properly, and actually the least told me, and I've I've seen it proven in my life. If you're not managing your time properly when you have a job, 
a full-time job, um, then don't think that you're all of, all of a sudden going to become great at town management when you go full-time music. Because right. if you don't if you don't have a handle on time management before, all that's going to happen is you're going to fill that other time with other meaningless things, or you're going to just you know lay around it. If, if you don't have a specific plan or whatever how to manage your time, then going full-time is not really going to be that beneficial to you. Right. So yeah, I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense because you know I wasn't doing any better. Yeah. Yeah. And and um because when essentially when you're working a job and you only have a certain amount of hours or time in a day to get done your you know your extracurricular stuff, which in this case would be yeah. music, you're you know, you're planning around that. Like this is my set time, this is designated. Yeah. So when your schedule's clear, you're like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll like, uh, I'll sleep another twenty time. minutes or, you know, I'll go exactly. you know, I'll watch this or I'll do something and then you still probably wind up with that only that one hour of music or something that you would have had before. Um Exactly. So no, it, it exactly. makes sense. I, f- I feel you on that. Um so but why I guess now that you've come to this point, why do you feel that now is the right time to be indie? Like, do you feel like you're like, why do you feel like you're better equipped to go this route? Well, first of all, I have an amazing management team. Um, shout out to Inactus Group, uh, Andre Mullen. And everything just kind of came together. I, I put out my last album in God's Good Time and my contract with Low Model um, was up and I, and I had a chance to renew. I had a conversation with my team, my management team, that is, and uh, together we kind of just uh, came to the conclusion that uh, the things I want to do for the immediate future, I can be, I can do them as an independent artist. And, um, you know, we, we weighed our options and, and the benefits of staying with um, a label, with any label, really. It's not, it's not, it's not any slight to role model like this in, in particular. We just um, weighed the options and said, you know what? I want to try my hand at being independent. And, um, you know, st- still working with with, with a, a team as far as marketing goes, because you need that um, to do things, you know, on the scale that I want to do them. But as far as a label, uh, we just figured that now at the time, because the label situation was, was up, and um, mm-hmm. I secured some great management, and everything just came together, and it was like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it now. All right, that works. Um, so here... This is, I guess, switching topics a little, but is there, do you find that there's a major difference between an audience or like how, how people consume music in, in Canada versus how they do it in the U.S.? Like, I know I hear, um, I hear about like, and I'm talking about now like European countries, but I know like when you, from what I've heard, when you go to, when you do a show in Europe, like everybody supports you, even if they don't yeah. know who you are. And, you know, you could go out there for the first time and might play in front of like 500 people and be like, wow. But over here in the U.S., if if you're an opener or you're just like some guy doing an open mic or whatever, nobody cares. You know, they're there to see somebody and then they leave or they go. Is it similar in Canada? Like, do how do people react? I guess, what differences have you seen? Well, Toronto in particular is definitely more like what you just described for the U.S., Right, it's a major um, city. To, yeah, Toronto had this nickname. I think I think we're, we're we're shedding it now because the OVO movement. People are starting to to respect grown uh, homegrown music. But yeah, 
Toronto had this nickname called the Screwface Capital. And uh, basically what that is, is if you're on stage and people didn't, like you're either not killing it or people didn't come to see you, they'll just stand there with their faces screwed up and look at, like they'll look at you with their faces screwed up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, what's this guy doing? Like, get out of here, right? So um, I think we're slowly breaking out of that because there's so many artists coming from here now that are making it over in the States. And, you know, like, you can, right. it's funny because I used to go on like iTunes or whatever and go to Canadian music, like new Canadian music, and it would be a bunch of people you never heard of. Now you go to new Canadian music and it's all the hits because yeah. you got the Beavers, you got, you know, your, your Jakes and your Tory Lanez, you got all these heavy hitters, Sean Mendes, you got all these heavy hitters now coming from here, at least the Carib, and they're all coming from, from the Toronto area. So it's totally, the landscape has definitely changed. Yeah, awesome. And because of that, because of that, people are more um, supportive in general. There's definitely a, a, change, a shift in the way that we support each other. Um, a good example is, uh, what's his name again? Um, uh, Caesar. Uh, Daniel Caesar. I don't know if you've heard of Daniel Caesar, but he he lives here. Like, he lives in the Toronto area. He, but he's one of the hugest artists right now. Because like you're mm-hmm. able to do that now, you're able to, before you had to go to the states. Now you can actually stay here. Like even Jake lives there. He's he has, like he lives in LA, but he has his job here as Raptors ambassador, and he lives here he's here all the time. Right. You know what I mean? And that's unheard of. Like a decade ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Before, like you had, you definitely had to leave because you wouldn't get any respect at home until you made it in the states. But uh, it's a good time right now. It's a good time to be from Toronto. It's a good time to be in Toronto. Um, the only thing I would say that that that's a down, like a downside of being in, in, in Canada in general is yeah. we simply don't have the numbers that the state has. Yeah, yeah. Um, so simply because of the numbers, it's still there's still more opportunities in the U.S. just because of numbers. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I, like I said, I remember, I, I remember, this is going back to the MySpace days, this band I knew got signed off of MySpace to a, a Swedish record label. And oh, wow. it was like, how the heck did they find these guys? They flew them out to Sweden, they put them on a tour through Sweden, Norway, Germany, Switzerland. They were playing to thousands of people every night. And then they came back home to New York City, and they played a show in front of 10 people. <laughs> wow so they're like that, uh, that's the thing about Europe too right like the great thing about Europe is you have you have like you have Germany France Italy uh, you know all these Switzerland all, like you have all these different countries yeah and cultures like a train ride away that are different like, a, like a, that are literally like a train ride away so it's like you, you can go to Europe and do a whole tour and just like like a European tour and you're literally just hopping on trains and going from major city to major city, whereas here in Canada, once you leave Toronto, you're pretty much like the rest of Canada. Like there's some other spots, but aside from Montreal, everything else is super far away, right? Right, right, right. No, it it definitely makes sense. So, I mean, is is that a goal of yours eventually, like to get to a place where, you know, you're doing well enough that you would actually leave Canada and come to the U.S. or, you know, are you are you ride or die Canada or Toronto? Yeah, um, I I see myself more as I think the best thing to do is to be an ambassador 
for Toronto as opposed to staying in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I have no problem staying in Toronto if I can. And if I have a choice, um, if I get, get a peek at the future and it's like you can choose one, you know, be attain this certain level of, of influence or, or platform, whatever, and stay right. in Toronto or get the exact same level of influence and platform and go to the States, I'll stay in Toronto. But the opportunities just just are definitely greater in the States, um, especially when it comes to urban music. The opportunities are definitely greater. So I, I, I'm, I am right about Toronto, but I don't have to necessarily be in Toronto to represent Toronto. I can go to the States or go to Europe or whatever and still represent Toronto. So I'm definitely open to like going wherever wherever I got to go. I'm not I'm stuck to Toronto or Canada. All right, so you are definitely more loyal than Vince Carter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that guy. You stay one of the best to ever do it, man. But I, I love Vince Carter. I do. I, I watched the documentary saying. on Netflix, and I, I really didn't know how big of an impact that he had because you know in the nineties I was oh, yeah. I was a kid in the late nineties, yeah. and I, and I love Vince Carter, but I really know him from watching him play on the Nets. Um, no man, it was it was Vince Sanity here, man. Oh yeah, I know. I've seen the dunk contest. I've seen everything. Um, yeah. You know, but the the Vince in his or in my prime that I saw, um, you know, was Vince Carter on the Nets, and I was like, wow, he yeah. was this good on the Nets. How good was this guy on uh, <laughs> on Toronto? Raptors. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to no, no, I, yeah, I killed definitely... I killed the mood. McGrady and, <laughs> McGrady and Carter leaving. Leaving the Raptors. Ah oh, man, don't don't remind me, bro. Don't remind me. <laughs> it, still, it still hurts from all those years ago, man. Even though I was, you know, I was a kid too, but it still hurts, man. Listen, I'm oh. I'm a Knicks fan. <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan. At least you guys have sniffed the playoffs oh, in the last in the last decade. Um, th- things yeah, are not good. LeBron, yeah, th- things are not good for the New York Knicks. Um, back, off off the Vince Carter tangent. Um, so what? What do you feel uh, so far in your music career has been like your biggest, I like to say, rock star moment? Like your biggest, like, like whether you were on stage or you were doing something, and you know, at that moment you were like, "Wow, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like this, this um, is it." Um, to be honest, I still feel like that moment is to come, but that's a good answer uh, to too. date. <laughs> Yeah, but to date, the first thing that comes to mind, you know, on the spot, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, man, I got to thank Rapzilla because <laughs> a lot of my, my answers come, uh, you know, are, are surrounding Rapzilla events. But basically, I did the 16-bar challenge, um, which is pretty much like a, it was like a, a, a what do you call it? A, a battle, but they called it the sixteen bar challenge. Was that through like and, a Flavor um, Fest or something? It was. It was Legacy Conference. Oh, Legacy. Okay. And I think it was two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen. No, it must have been. Yeah, two thousand fourteen and two thousand fifteen. It was the Legacy Conference Rapzilla sixteen bar challenge. And here's the thing: I'm not a battle rap. I mean, well, these days I. I definitely respect battle rap, but I was never a battle rap fan per se. Yeah. Um, even though in Toronto we have King of the Dot, which is great, but I was never a battle rap fan. Um, so I saw them advertising, you know, 16 bar challenge and I was like, you know, 
it's an opportunity for me to get free entry since I'm going to go anyways, anyways and whatever. But I didn't think I would really do well. So I entered and I went there by myself with literally me and my wife. Um, we didn't have any kids at the time. Me and my wife, we went there and um, I didn't have any support. And I, and I made it to the last round of that thing. And the reason why it, it, it was like definitely encouraging was because the people, like it was based on advancing from round to round was based on the crowd's applause. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the judges were Swoop, Ishan Burgundy, and I can't remember who the third judge was or if there was a third judge, but it was definitely those two. And they were actually like, they were hating, man. Like, <laughs> like they were like, because the judges had an opportunity to, to say what they thought. And then the audience would, would give their, their, their judgment, if you will. Right. And in almost every case, whenever the judges, like with all the other contestants in almost every case, whenever the judges would say something, the, the, the crowd would go along with the judges. But in my case, the crowd was, was, was with me, even, even when the judges were against me. Right. Yeah. And um, that was amazing to me because I had nobody there except for my wife and other people who were contestants had like their whole, their whole crew there. Right. Yeah. 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 So it just, it just showed me that I was like, and that was the time when I was like, yo, I, I can really win the crowd. Like I can really do this. I, I can be on a stage and I can get the crowd with me. That's dope. Um, so I definitely felt, I felt a little bit like a rock star then. Um, and I advanced to the finals. It was uh, Oscar Urbina yes. who took me out. <laughs> and he did have his whole, he did have his whole crew there because at that time he was part of, um, I forgot the name, Street something, but it was, it was, uh, uh, who was it again? It was, um, Oscar, Loso, um, Serge. They were all, they were all part of that crew and they were all there. So, you know, I'm not going to say that he didn't deserve to win, but he definitely had his crew there making noise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but yeah but yeah that was definitely a, a a somewhat of a rock star moment but like i said i feel like the, the real rock star moments moments are um, ahead no that's that's a good uh that's a good way to have it because you, and you i gotta clarify know. not that i i gotta clarify not that i'm trying to be a rock star but of course every artist wants their art to be respected and and, and valued you know so right it's not like I'm trying to be some rock star. Like at the end of the day, I'm all about making much of Jesus. It's just that for me, obviously I put, like I know the work that I put in. So, you know, of course I want to be on stage and have people, you know. It was the validation. Work, right? It was the validation you needed to let you know that you are doing the right thing. On the right path. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unfortunately that, that uh, 16 bar challenge was before I was with Rapzilla. So that would have been amazing uh, to see. I, and I know uh talking about tracks you never put out, you definitely got that um that judge's diss track in a closet somewhere, right? <laughs> For hating on you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, 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 we're good. I mean I've 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 connected with Ishan since and uh I've seen Swoop since and whatever and uh, you know, I don't know why they were hating, but I think they were hating on the Canadian. <laughs> they were like, Oh, this this foreigner in our country, because you you know, yeah. you're from, at one point you're from this other land, <laughs> so far away, mysterious land. <laughs> There you go, man. At, at one point, Swoop even said, "Oh, your accent. I don't. I don't. You know, I, I can't understand you. I don't know if it's your accent." At one point, he actually said that. So <laughs> it's on. It's on video, man. You can see it. I would say, so, uh, as as a New Yorker, I probably have more of an accent 
than than you do that would be like that someone would actually notice. So yeah, you see that that that's the first time I heard an American say that. Usually they're like, "Oh, you got an accent," and I'm like, "No, oh, you got the accent." They're like, "No, no, you got an accent." So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean you. I mean you. You sound like a person. Like it's not like you're not doing uh You know when they when they over exaggerate the Canadians with the A's and the a boot no, and, no, and all that. that. Um, you. We say. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm I'm done. Just how they how they stereotype the the boots and 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 how they're super no, polite say, and um, a and you are polite. <laughs> I will say that you're a nice guy. So that that yeah. part is that part is true. <laughs> Yeah, we do say a now that I think about it, but we don't say it in the play. Like when I when I see Americans imitating Canadians like on TV and stuff, and they the placement of the a is just all wrong. You it's haven't like said they, it they, once. They put it, nah, like I wouldn't say it in regular conversation. It's usually it's like I don't know, like like it would be like it would be like um, yo, um, the game starts in an hour, right? Or no. Yeah, yeah, like the game starts in in an hour, eh? I guess. Like, it's kind of like how y- how y'all would say "huh." Yeah. Like wherever you would say "huh," we would say "a." I guess. Well, or, you you haven't said yeah. it once, and now that you're trying to do it, it almost seems a little unnatural for you. So <laughs> even to me, it's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to come on naturally. <laughs> All right, I'll 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 let you know if it if it slips out. Um, so. On, on the on the flip side, what do you think that your your biggest um, failure as an artist is, or or do you have any regrets on on something you did that you know you kind of wish that you could you know overdo or redo? I mean, um, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, all my failures have become lessons, right? Um, but I do think that. Hmm. I'm trying to think of anything that really I'm like, oh man, I wish I didn't do that. Um not really. Not I mean I have little mini things, but nothing that's like, oh um that I can think of. I'm sure after I get off the phone I'll be like, Oh, I forgot to tell him about this, but uh at the moment there's nothing glaring that I can really think of. Um there's a lot of things that I for example, I'll be on Twitter or Instagram and I'll see artists like up and coming artists, like newer artists doing things that I'm just like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> delete, because tweet, I used to do that. Tweet. Yeah. Don't, don't tweet that. Don't, don't tag that person. Don't stand that person. Don't just don't do that. Right. And I'm just like, I remember when I used to do that. So I have those kind of little regrets where it's like, oh man, I wish I didn't spam Leclerc that time because now yeah. maybe, maybe after I, afterwards, Leclerc was like, no, I don't want to hear that guy's music because he, spam me a few times right yeah so there's stuff like that but that was all part that was all part of the process that was all part of the learning curve and now um you know because i did that i had people tell me don't do that so it's a good thing that i did it back then because i had them tell me don't do it and if no one told me don't do it maybe i would have done it now when it actually counts more and yeah so i mean it's all part of the process you know yeah and and uh I mean, to to your credit too, it's it's not just the the young up and comers that tweet a lot of stupid things sometimes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's true, true. It's some of the other guys who should know better. Um, true. So finally, let's get to probably what you're most excited about. Tell us the the listeners 
about in God's good time? What was the goal of this record? Yeah. What is the message? What are you talking about on this record? All right. So for starters, um, I put out the good album a year ago, which was, you know, not that long ago, but I put it out. And with that project, I was kind of stumbling my way. Um, it's a great project. Like I love it, but I was, I kind of stumbled into the, into my, into my sound. Mm -hmm. So I was excited about working in, in God's good time because I was like, okay, now I know my sound. I know exactly how to approach every song. So it actually took like a fraction of the time because it's like, it was all just like, okay, got the instrumental, I know exactly what I'm going to do with it, I know exactly how I'm going to flip it, I know what I'm going to add to it, I know how I'm going to ride the beat. So, um, sonically, I was excited to, to work on it um, and to get it out. Um, as far as the, 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 the theme of it, like I said, I, I've, I've, I've been grinding, I've been working hard, and a lot of times I thought to myself, man, if it hasn't happened now, it's not going to happen. Right. And I thought about putting the mic down, I thought about you know, you got all these new kids coming in. I've been grabbing. All the doors started opening. And it's like, it wasn't even, a lot of times it wasn't even like me looking for mm -hmm. open doors. It was just a door open. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm going to walk through it. And then another door opens. And it's like, okay. And then I met the right people. And I'm just like, you know, like I met people like Doc from RMG and I met, people like my manager and I just started getting into the right situations and it was like, okay, God, this is what you want to do. You know, I, I thought I, I thought it was too late. And then God gives me, allows me to come up with this new style of, of yeah. how I approach my music. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's not my time. At, like, you know, it's not <laughs> my time at all. It's God time. So that's the theme of the project. Um, I like to do clever things. So just like on the good album, how every song, except for a couple at the end, had a uh, good in the title right with in god's good time every track has a time themed either a time theme or and or a time like title right like uh once one song that i'll clarify that people probably are people under a certain over a certain age are probably or under a certain age probably aren't getting is uh, a song on there a song on there called delorean and um that's obviously a lot of people the 80s Exactly. Right. So a lot of people who 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 hear my music are probably like, okay, he's talking about some random car. But those of us who know movies and know you know classic movies know that the DeLorean is the time machine car from Back to the Future. Right. Right. So you know stuff like that. Every song has something to do with time, and uh, I'm really proud of it, man. I'm really. Uh, it was the last project for Role Model Records. And um, because I am trying my hand at being an independent artist now, I'm probably going to move pretty quickly and, and do another project. Right, right. But I definitely want In God's Good Time to be heard because I think it deserves it, not only for myself, but the team that I work with, my producer, Jeremy Rodney Hall, my engineer, Adam. Those are all great people that I put in work in this project, and I feel like it needs to be heard. So I'm proud of it. Yeah, and... And, you know, you can definitely hear the, the blending and the mixture of sounds on there. And one of the things that I think adds a lot of diversity to the album is your, your range of features that you grab, too. Like you know, Chopin, yeah. Wande, and Zonti, and you have, you have all these 
you know, different names on here and they all like yeah. very blend in together very well and sort of make it a cohesive album um, without yeah. like having, oh, you know, just this random feature, you know, in there. Like all, all of these worked very well, which I think is, is awesome. Yeah, thanks. That's something that I definitely do intentionally. I um, I love collaborating, and I know I notice that a trend these days is people not are not really collaborating because they're just like, I don't know, it's just this new trend of like, oh, I'm just gonna do it all myself, which is fine. Um, and I have considered, okay, I'm probably gonna do a project that is by myself or with very little features, just to show people a different experience. But I love collaborating, man. To me, it's just like when you just hear the right, you have the right song, and you're like, you know what? I know, I know who it take this to the next level not not because i need them but at the end of the day i want to serve the my listening audience a great listening experience so right. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sacrifice what could be a great listening experience for pride or say say okay i want to show them that i could do it by myself it's like yeah i could do it by myself but it would be so much greater if this person let their voice to it so my approach is never oh i'm just gonna get a feature for feature's sake my approach is always you know what? This song sounds great, but you know what would make it sound greater? Zanti. You know what would make it sound greater? Hyperfent. You know, like it's always yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a good point you bring up. Like it definitely is like a, a, pr- a pride thing or or not being prideful, actually, like just being confident enough to say, you know what? I could probably do this track on my own. And, yeah. you know, because, you know, the, the the mind of an MC is like, I have to kill everything, murder every beat, destroy everything. But then yeah. to, to be able to, like, step back from that and be like, you know what would probably make the song even better than me throwing down a crazy 16 or 24, 32, whatever it is, if I got, mm-hmm. you know, this person to do it. Um, and it's like, just sort of take a step back and realize, you know, that there's a difference between, you know, writing a song and and crafting a song and and creating art and music um and i think and i think that really shines through in in this album so props for that thank you thank you and 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 something else i'll say about that one last thing i'll say about that is um uh i consider myself a curator it's like i said earlier a curator of Mm -hmm. of music and a talent because uh, like one thing about kanye west is we've heard kanye west uh, for those who listen to kanye west We've heard Kanye West by himself, and we know that he can make songs by himself. But yes. if you listen to most of his recent projects, he's, or even his older ones, he's always been great at curating talent. Um, sometimes to a ridiculous level where you see the features. There's like 50 the people, who are 50 on, the track people like, on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, he, he kind of overdoses sometimes. But the point is, similar to Kanye, I, I, I have that kind of, uh, affinity for basically just curating and being like, you know what? Not only is this going to make my song better, but a lot of these artists that I that I work with are up and coming artists who don't necessarily have access to the greatest mixing or mastering or or even the greatest production sometimes. And I say to myself, um, I have access to great mixing and mastering and all of that, and I wanna I wanna put those artists on on a track that that will. I want people to hear them on, like hear hear what they can sound yeah. like, and that's not that's not a shot to any of the artists that I've worked with. It's just that, um, yeah, like it's just facts. Like a lot of times, like I like I know that my guy Adam is an excellent excellent engineer, and sometimes I'll hear an artist and I'll be like, the artist sounds good, but they would sound amazing with Adam mixing and mastering them, or just like 
you know, like messing with their vocals or whatever. So that's part of it too. I just want to bring people into my sound, right? Yeah, and so, and yeah. and the hopes of that too is is sort of like a pay it forward as well. Like, you know, if yep. if yep. one of these artists comes up and even surpasses where you're at, be like, you know, they yep. can look back and be like, you know, Drew Beck's gave me my shot. I want to work with Drew Beck and, and do something yeah. else, or even a bigger artist, you know, than you that's already established would be like, you know, Drew Beck's is really cool guy pushing the culture. I'd love to get yeah. him a feature, you know, do a song with KB or you know someone like that. Um, so yeah. they all, you know, it kind of, you know, if you you approach music with that servant like attitude, people don't forget. People do yep. notice. Well, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I mean. At the end of the day, I want to be, um, I want to be an encourager, man. Like I do have one song on my new project that I love it sonically, but I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't. I wish I just said things differently. Which is um, a song called uh, what's it called again? Um, uh, uh, Closing time. And I'm just like, I listen back to it, and I'm like, you know what? I hope that some people who are listening to this don't don't get discouraged because at the end of the day, I want to be an encourager. I want to come alongside some of these younger guys who are even bigger than me. Most of these guys are passing me now. And it's like, that's cool. That's cool because, you know, it's for the culture, but I want to be able to, to, to do whatever I can to help them and just to help the culture. You know what I mean? Like I love right. what, whether I consider myself a Christian rapper or CHH, whatever, whatever, the, the, the family that has, um, take the label away. There's still a community that has emerged. Yep. And I love that. I love that community. I love the up and coming kids in that community. I love the the OGs in that community. I just love that community. So I want to contribute and help any way I can. You know. Yeah, that's a great perspective to have. And um, all right. So you have reached the end. Your final, your final question: What is the key for the survival of the artist in 2018, in your opinion? Uh, humility. And the ability to learn and grind, work hard. Those those three things. Humility, um, I don't know how you say learn learning in a whatever objective way or whatever, but the ability to learn and um being just, teachable. There you go. Be teachable. Teachability. That's teachability. a word. Okay, yeah. So humility Teachability, teachability. <laughs> and I don't know, grindability. <laughs> <laughs> grindability. Like, you got to use that. You got to use that in a rhyme. I was calling the new word. There you go. If, grindability. Well, so, that's it's a hip hop thing to do. If you're looking for a rhyme and you can't right. fill it, you just make you know you just make up an ending for a word to make it fit the rhyme scheme. <laughs> that might be the name of the next project or a song. <laughs> Grind Drew Bex's Grindability. You heard it. You heard it here first, exclusive on yep. the podcast. Grindability. Um, <laughs> but but that's it, man. I mean, any anything else you want to add? Plug? Say? Let the listeners know. No, nah, bro. I'll just say uh, I'll just say thank you to you for all that you do. Um, you know what I mean? Appreciate like it. like obviously you're doing your own. Like obviously you're doing your own thing here. But even what you do for Rapzilla on the podcast. I mean, on the um, with the write ups and everything, and just helping us helping us get the exposure that we need. You know what I mean? So appreciate all that you're doing, man. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, bro. Uh, yeah. And this has been great. And considering that, um, like I said, we have like never really spoken before 
And this was a good conversation. Sometimes, sometimes conversations sure. are awkward, but this was a good one. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel the same. Thank you so much for for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. All right, best All of right. best of luck to you and right. your and your babies. <laughs> yeah, man, same, same. You only got one, right? You have I got one or, or? Oh, only one, and that's that's enough for right now. Like eventually another one, <laughs> but the, this one right now, she just started walking two days ago, so now yeah. things are even crazier. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. It's definitely the the best thing yeah, ever. Enjoy, enjoy, it, grow, enjoy. It's a beautiful thing, man. Watching them grow, beautiful thing, man. So enjoy. I will for sure. All right, thank you, Drew. All right, take it easy. All right, bye. Special shout out to Drew Bex. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Um, like I said, most of the artists that I've had so far on this podcast, I have some sort of relationship with, whether I've met them, they're personal friends of mine, uh, I've interviewed them. Drew Bex, this, uh, this was flying in cold turkey. I, I really didn't know too much about him. I had never really spoke to him before. Um, and I thought this was a fantastic conversation. Um, so I hope you guys think it was great too. I know last episode I said that I'd be having Phil Rude probably as my next guest, but Phil has not gotten back to me, even though he used to be my boss. I guess he forgot about me. Come on, Phil. Come on, Phil. Anyway, I am happy to say that I believe Dylan Chase will be the next guest on this podcast, which is really exciting because that's another uh, another guy that I've never spoken to before. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he's doing because I know he's got a lot of kids and at the same time is able to make a living on doing music full time. So he definitely has a lot of secrets and tricks of the trade to survive to help you guys understand the survival of the artist. Uh, like I said, also on the last episode, I'm going to be looking to start a Patreon. Um, you know, if you guys like me or like the show, you can give a dollar, you can give whatever you want. That would be really awesome. Uh, that'll be my rock star moment of validation to, to uh, you know, let me know that what I'm doing is actually worth it and helping people. And like I said, I, I, I want to continue to pay that forward, whether that be you know, little side lessons with people on social media training, writing press releases, making special podcasts for people. Um, I'm all about that. So just kicking those ideas around. If you have ideas, hit me with the DM. You can follow me on Twitter at jsarachik underscore POF. The letter J, S-A-R-A-C-H-I-K underscore POF. And for those who want to know what the POF stands for, uh, that's the initials of my band process of fusion um makes me feel like i'm legit like people are actually looking for the front man of this band they're probably not but uh anyway thank you guys so much we are seven episodes in and uh i'm having a blast